Ahoy, mateys! And welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Not just any episode, we're actually setting sail today. Last episode, I showed off the ship, showed you a bunch of the inside features, but today you're on the ship with me, Captain Eric Cormier, and we're setting sail. We're setting sail to Bikini Atoll, which is the island right above Bikini Bottom. Not many people know the name of that island. It is, in fact, called Bikini Atoll, um, which up to uh, the second movie, Sponge Out of Water, we're to believe is a relatively small island, um, but Sponge Out of Water really makes it makes you understand that this is a massive island and those palm trees are huge. But anyway, Bikini Atoll is our destination and right below it is Bikini Bottom. Um, now, there is there was a lot to unpack about what we're going to do in the show and this episode is more or less going to be a part two of that. Although I'm actually going to go through what the rest of the series of SpongePod is going to look like and feel like. Um, this this idea, this concept has gone through many iterations, and we're going to see it play out. And I'm not married at all to the, to the current concept. If things have to evolve even more to make it a more enjoyable experience for fans... I will do so because if this is their, your first episode that you're, you're listening listening to, then you need to know that this show is by a fan for fans um, and and also for non-fans too. I, I do want to bring the joy of SpongeBob to other people and that's kind of the purpose and that's kind of the reason why this idea has changed. So before we get into the structure of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, uh, I also want to let you know of a few ways you can keep in contact with the show and any of the producers of the show. Um, this show is produced, in fact, with Euphonics, a group that I am with. Um, you can find Euphonics on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where any announcements that we need to make about this show and any other shows that we're working on are going to be present. Um, for this show specifically, there is a Facebook page for I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, and an Instagram. If you look up at I'm Ready, SpongePod Squarecast, there's no A there, and I know it's long. I'm trying to work on that. But for right now, that is the Instagram page where we will be making announcements, and of course, when we start doing live streaming. Yes, we will begin live streaming in the near future. Uh, at twitch.tv slash euphonicslive, and the show will be called Video Bob Game Pants, which we will play most of the SpongeBob games, and um, each game will have its own review segment here on SpongePod Squarecast, kind of uh, in line to where they were released uh, in conjunction with other episodes. So we're going to have a nice little streamline here. Um, gonna, we're going to be streaming and playing most of the SpongeBob games. Uh, if there's any others that I can find or get my hands on, I'll tell you right now, as of this recording, I currently have the uh, Nintendo Wii U-Draw game, SpongeBob Squiggle Pants, being delivered to my house. So that's already in motion to be in the lineup. Um, so yeah, twitch.tv slash euphonicslive. Uh, follow us there. 
And that's where we're going to be doing the live streaming. Um, and then, of course, if you want to know when we're doing the live streaming, find us on Instagram at Euphonics. Find us at Instagram for this show. I'm ready. SpongePod Squarecast. Find us on Facebook. There will be more than enough ways to find us, and I'll be sure to have any of those links in the YouTube video description. So if you're listening to this podcast through iTunes or any other means, welcome. Thank you for your listen. Definitely find our videos on YouTube. If you just search SpongePod Squarecast on YouTube, we're the only uh, page that comes up. So if you want to check out any of those links or anything related to us at all, please give us a visit. So on that note, let's continue. Um, to, to bring the curtain back a little bit on the concept of this show and what I plan on, on moving forward with is that in the beginning, I only pictured a show where a guest and I would just review every episode of SpongeBob. And I never thought of having a co-captain along this, along this journey, um, cause I wanted a nice revolving door of, of other fans of SpongeBob, um, with, you know, eventually if it gets to a level where I can even have fans of that I don't even know, fans from the internet. That was kind of the original idea. And then I thought, well, I want to include people who are not relatively fans of, of SpongeBob themselves. And I want to, you know, talk to them about SpongeBob and, and have them experience SpongeBob. So then the show evolved in concept to um, more of a uh, commentary you know, commentary on SpongeBob episodes and, and so that people who have never watched SpongeBob or care for it, um, you know, you can enjoy it with them. How, how is viewing SpongeBob with a fan? How, you know, how would that experience be? Uh, then the whole thing changed even more. It evolved even more past a commentary track where I thought, how could someone enjoy an episode of SpongeBob if they have to be talking the entire time? Uh, and trust me, doing this by myself is, it can be stressful. It can be, um, you, you have to keep going. You have to keep thinking of things to talk about and make sure you're on the right path because the Lord only knows the amount of times I've had to re-record even this episode, the last episode. Uh, and when I had three episodes in the can of the old concept of it being a commentary track, which I hope to one day release, we'll see about that. Um, so the current structure, uh, past this first episode, if in emergency I have to record by myself, I will, but for the future, I will have a guest with me. In the introduction, I will introduce the guest. The guest and I will talk maybe their experience on SpongeBob, what they like or dislike, things like that. Uh, we'll get into the episode at hand. I will introduce the episode, what the episode is about, what it brings to the table, some of the, the quick kind of you know, synopsis and who worked on the episode, any guest stars, whatnot, we will shut the recording off and the guest and I or guests will enjoy the episode of SpongeBob. And then we will pick up the recording back, back right after the episode ends in which then we will replay the episode and kind of a pseudo commentary track. So we can point things out. Um, so if at home you decide you want to kind of watch along with us, that is totally fine. It's, it's not going to be forced because it's not technically going to be said as a commentary track, but during that part, we will then review the episode and where I will kind of point out a few bit more of the, of the trivia aspects to point out. Um, 
of course, by myself, I have I've seen these episodes uh, about a hundred times, so I don't need to shut off the recording to watch these episodes. Um, but I definitely want to give you a background because now we're at the point of this is the start of SpongeBob. Where did SpongeBob start? Who created him? Um, we need to learn some of this information because this is it. This is episode one. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants was created by Steven Hillenburg. Uh, Steven, who was unfortunately, uh, not with us any longer, but man, does his work live on, uh, and, and everything he has done is appreciated. Uh, uh, I can uh, just on a personal level, I cannot express just how, uh, important Steven Hillenburg is to me in my life. And, and I can't, I can't help but love the guy um in about 1980 now there was two things uh, i'll get to the year in a second there was two things in this world that steven hillenberg loved and it was ocean life and animation and of course one day he was able to mix the two together in one glorious package um in 1984 uh hillenberg graduated from humboldt State University with a bachelor's degree in natural resource planning and interpretation with an emphasis on marine resources. He then became a marine biology teacher at the Orange County Marine Institute, now known as the Ocean Institute, in Dana Point, California. Uh, and, and you can just already see where the seeds were planted for SpongeBob, his love for the, the underwater world, the underwater life that existed there. Um, of course, everything that he learned from that would, would move forward because then in 1987, Hillenburg pursued a degree in experimental animation at the California Institute of the Arts in Valencia and earned his Master of Fine Arts in 1992. Uh, 1992, he actually did win an award for Best Animated Concept for his animated short Wormholes, which you can find on YouTube and watch. Um, and shortly after that, he actually gained a job working on Rocco's Modern Life from 1993 all the way to 1996, which is insane because I didn't realize this, that probably my favorite episode of Rocco's Modern Life, which is an episode called Fish and Chumps, is directed by Steven Hillenburg. Um, and of course that episode has a lot of, uh, uh, sea jokes and fishing jokes and it just melds perfectly right into, into SpongeBob. And of course, you know, we'll get into it. Both Tom Kenny and Mr. Doug Lawrence worked on Rocco's Modern Life as voice, voice actors, and they would become massive parts in the SpongeBob universe, which we'll quickly get to, um, by the time 1996 ended, Nickelodeon was very much interested in hearing pitches because Nickelodeon uh, uh, back then was one of the main places for creator-driven content. A lot of other uh, of animated uh, programs before that, before Nickelodeon came on the scene, were just kind of built to, to sell toys. A lot of beloved 80s franchises were just toy machines. Nickelodeon came around, and they really cared about uh, the, the quality of of the show, so uh, the shows, and they wanted to make sure that the creators who created these ideas worked on their shows. It was important to them, and it's something felt to this day. So while Stephen worked at the Marine Institute, he also created a, a short comic book called The Intertidal Zone to kind of teach kids 
more about a lot of the creatures you would see in tide pools and and some that if you uh, go to an aquarium you may be able to interact with such as the sea star and the sea sponge um one of the narrators of this comic book was an actual sea sponge named bob bob the sponge and of course i'm sure anyone hearing that could put two and two together where his idea came from um, so in 1996, after Rocco's Modern Life was kind of coming up, uh, you know, coming up to end, he teamed up with uh, creative director Derek Dryman, who also worked on Doug, Hey Arnold, he, he's definitely felt in the realm of Nickelodeon, and they also teamed up with a bunch of other writers, including Tim Hill, and, and started working on SpongeBob SquarePants, um, started working on the concept, and things obviously, you know, went through different stages. SpongeBob at one point was called SpongeBoy. Uh, at one point, SpongeBob never took off his crusty crab hat. That was just a part of his design. He was so in love with his job at at the Krusty Krab that he just never took his his hat off. Uh, the name of the show for a while was called SpongeBoy Ahoy. And and that, can you? I mean, that works. And it's definitely not a bad name and not a bad concept, but. Now that we have SpongeBob SquarePants, it's hard to say uh, that that would be that would have worked better. Um, so they worked, they pitched this to Nickelodeon, which um, definitely, uh, when you when you think about it, Stephen came in with Hawaiian shirts and was playing Hawaiian music, and just pitched this idea to Nickelodeon, and they just some loved it. There were some people a little bit confused by it, but but were entranced by the idea, um, and just Nickelodeon, of course, eventually picked up the show and work on SpongeBob move forward. Now, there is so much information about SpongeBob SquarePants, the development of SpongeBob SquarePants, that I would love down the line to have an episode devoted to, but I just wanted to give a quick, and probably not quick to you, but just a very quick, not in-depth look on how this show came to be. And just so you know, the episode we're viewing today was actually completed in 1997, two years before it aired on television. Um, so that tells you a little bit of la- a little bit about just the animation process and uh, and how stuff just eventually makes it to air. It's a little little weird. Um, so anyway. Our first episode on our voyage is the episode called Help Wanted. It is season, this first season, first episode, and of course it has the debut of uh, many key players, including the French narrator, uh, Spongebob Squarepants, Gary, Gary the Snail, Patrick Starr, Squidward Tentacles, and Eugene Krabs. Eugene H. Krabs, according to any online source. Um, all these characters... From the beginning of the production of the show, you go back and look at early concept drawings. All of these characters were always intended to be a part of the show. Um, And not many differences from early drawings to how they made it to the screen. Honestly, between all of the characters, just a little cleaned up here and there. And of course, the most alarming concept is the idea that SpongeBob would never take off his Krusty Krab hat. But you take away that hat and the characters have looked pretty much the same since their development all the way up until they were actually animated. Um, So in this episode is where SpongeBob decides he is ready, which is where the name of the show comes from. One of the, one of the first 
lines spoken in this episode. I'm ready. He is going out to get a job. There's a help wanted sign right in front of the Krusty Krab. It is his absolute favorite uh, restaurant. So uh, as now, more or less at this part, if I'm with a guest and we're kind of getting ready to start the episode, we'll shut off the recording. We'll let you know we're going to watch it and then we'll come back on. I, of course, am not going to do that. I am. uh, I'm just going to play the episode um, and and start giving you a little little bit of insight into the episode. Now, here's something everybody needs to pay attention to when wanting to watch this episode in the original airing, because there now if you think you have the complete first season of SpongeBob and you're ready to pop in that DVD, don't <laughs> you're going to have a different ending. Um, now, in the original airing of this show, this episode. Uh, Tiny Tim's song, Livin', Livin' in the Sunlight, Lovin' in the Moonlight, uh, of course, a classic song, is played when SpongeBob is quickly um, making the Krabby Patties for all of the hungry anchovies and the Krusty Krab. Um, due to copyright issues, if you have the complete first season and the first and second season's box sets, you don't have that episode. Uh, well, that part of the episode. You have the episode, but with different music put into that ending part. Um, now, I'm going to list the the only ways to watch this episode in its original capacity. If you have the 10 Happiest Moments disc, it is listed as a bonus. If you have the complete third season, put in disc 3 and it is also there as a bonus. If you have the first 100 episodes set. It is complete in that, in disc one. And if you have the DVD Spongebob, you are fired. Uh, there is a, uh, a single episode in there, uh, not really as a bonus. And of course, there is one more DVD that was sold at Walmart, and it's a little DVD called The Pilot, a mini movie, and the square shorts. Uh, and that has the original song intact. But also, in the way I'm going to be watching, if you happen to have Amazon Prime, not sponsored, by the way. You can watch the first season episode completely intact, a streaming on Amazon. So I'm going to be watching that. And that's another thing I hope to uh, always let you know the way I'm viewing these so that you can maybe try to try to keep the same idea going. So I'm going to be playing the episode Help Wanted of SpongeBob SquarePants. And of course, I am not going to have the audio um, and I will be playing it right now. So we have the episode starting. Um, this is, you know, it plays out just like any good first episode should. It is a pilot is supposed to, a good pilot is supposed to introduce the characters, introduce a little bit of what they're about. Obviously no show can just open up years of, of, concepts of a character and put it into one episode but you're supposed to just get the basics so that while you're continuing watching the show you get it um now of course a lot of fans of newer spongebob or younger younger fans might be a little bit confused because originally patrick star was not as um just complete dumb like he was not as dumb as he as he eventually became um he was just more dim he was a guy who came off like he was smart, um, but he just wasn't like brain dead. He still had some kind of, I, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, just some sort of smarts to him. So here we have the French narrator and this joke coming up 
said by the narrator, say, uh, saying, well, of course he lives in a pineapple, you silly. That is a joke directed uh, at one of the uh, executive producers at Nickelodeon. Uh, somebody at Nickelodeon watching the original pilot uh, or the concept of the show just did not understand the concept of SpongeBob living in a pineapple. Um, there are cultures out in the world where the pineapple is revered. It is a symbol of friendship and love and, um, and that like gifting a pineapple means more than just giving somebody a piece of fruit. It actually has uh, meaning behind it. So of course, SpongeBob being as, as friendly and loving and, and inviting as he is, it makes sense that he lives in a pineapple. Um, but somebody in Nickelodeon just, it kind of went over their head of why is this, you know, I, I don't know if that guy even questioned the fact that SpongeBob is a, is a kitchen sponge living in the ocean. Um, he might've just had an issue with the fact that he lives in a piece of fruit and that bothered him. But uh, could you imagine SpongeBob living in anything else? And, um, of course there are later episodes that kind of poke jokes at that and have him live in, in different style homes, but uh, a pineapple is near and dear to the heart. Um, and here we have uh, Patrick definitely pumping SpongeBob up. You know, SpongeBob loses his, um, you know, his his confidence. He, he leaves his house with such confidence to go get this job um, and loses it at some point before he's able to walk in. And Patrick, being a good friend that he is, uh, helps him out. Now, uh, SpongeBob is voiced by Tom Kenny, uh, in, in my eyes, a legendary voice actor in the community who met Steven Hillenburg working at Rocco's Modern Life. He actually voiced one of the main characters over at Rocco's Modern Life, uh, Heifer Wolf, one of the main characters, and definitely um, the character there for the comedic timing and for the jokes. Uh, Heifer is the funniest character of that show and um and there were moments and this is just trivia from my end i love as i mentioned i love the episode fish and chumps uh tom kenny also voices the the captain um who is supposed to bring the characters out fishing and there's one point where i heard from from steven hillenberg i, I believe it was steven hillenberg who uh who mentioned that that tom kenny just they let him go off the rails and do so much uh, ad-libbing and that he came up with the line that, that Davy Jones' locker and Mickey Tolan's locker and that all the monkeys had lockers. And that is a joke that when I got older, I started really loving and I laughed at that so much. Um, and just to think that that guy just started coming that, just started um, making that joke up at, uh, off out of nowhere. It, it impresses me. Um, uh, Tom Kenny, so we have Heifer Wolf. He voiced uh, Carl from Johnny Bravo. He voiced the mayor of Townsville from Powerpuff Girls. Uh, he voiced uh, Cupid from The Fairly Odd Parents. A ton of characters on Codenames Kids Next Door. Um, and uh, Eduardo from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. And if you keep going, he definitely has a, a massive history of working with Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon cartoons. But, of course, his biggest role is SpongeBob SquarePants. There is... Uh, no denying that. Um, so just to let you know where we are in the episode, the anchovies just showed up, uh, which seemed to be the biggest threat of the ocean. 
and just want to eat all the food at the Krusty Krab. Uh, one more note, Tom Kenny is actually, uh, actually plays uh, Patchy the Pirate, who is a character that has not showed up yet in the show. In our, in our uh, world, we're just watching the first episode, but eventually Patchy the Pirate will appear in a bunch of live-action segments, one of my favorite characters of the whole show. Continuing with the voice actors, we have Bill Fagerback voicing Patrick Starr. Uh, he is, of course, his most prominent role is Patrick, but he's also known as uh, Dauber from the sitcom Coach. He's also known from How I Met Your Mother, and he has also voiced uh, a slew of other characters, both in Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. Um, but of course, Patrick Starr has been his... That's his gold mine right there. That's his character. And, and the man, in any interview I've seen, uh, I, I don't think he could be any more happier about playing that character because um, it, it just must be a dream job for him. Uh, voicing Squidward, SpongeBob's na- neighbor, is Roger Bumpus. Uh, I'm actually friends with Roger on Facebook, which is incredible. Uh, hopefully that leads to a possible interview down the road. I, I don't want to ask now. I definitely want to have a bunch of episodes under my belt of this show before I even decide to ask that. Um, Squidward is, of course, SpongeBob's neighbor, lives in the Easter Island head, and is the uh, Mr. Wilson to SpongeBob's Dennis the Menace. He is there to be annoyed, to kind of put down SpongeBob, uh, but he does have a heart somewhere deep in, inside him. Uh, voicing Mr. Krabs is Clancy Brown, a well-known actor, uh, has been in a ton of not only movies, television shows, he has a robust, robust IMDb, filling to the brim. Of, of shows anywhere from the Dukes of Hazard, all the way up to uh, Schooled, which he has three episodes of in 2019. Uh, and that's just his most recent, but he's he's been on so many shows through Disney and Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. Uh, of course, his biggest role is Mr. Krabs. A lot of these voice actors, even though they go on to work in, in to voice other characters, um, their, their biggest characters are just undeniably the Sponge, Spongebob characters. Um, but Clancy Brown also voiced Lex Luthor in the Superman animated series that ran in the mid-90s. I, I loved his voice for that character really fit well. Uh, and if you're a fan of comic books, then you will agree with that. Uh, and that's not the only DC villain he played. He actually played uh, Mr. Freeze and Bane in uh, in the 2004 The Batman cartoon. So he has had a history voicing DC villains. Uh, and he just has a a gritty voice that truly fits with... Fits with uh, he's voiced Dr. Cortex in the Crash Bandicoot video games. So you think Dr. Cortex, Lex Luthor, a lot of villains. And Mr. Krabs... Although is a nice guy, he can kind of sometimes come off uh, pretty shady sometimes. So I kind of understand um, uh, where he's coming from. So uh, the, the episode did complete. I I did I did shut it off. Uh, I wanted to give those those voice actors their due because there's not many other times I'll be able to to talk about the voice actors in depth, maybe here and there. But those are your those are your main players. Gary is of course also voiced by Tom Kenny. He he provides the meows. Um, SpongeBob gets his job at the Krusty Krab. Um, feeds all the anchovies, and of course you know uh, Patrick gets a little bit of a. A slapstick thrown in at the end there. Uh, and that's episode one of SpongeBob SquarePants Help Wanted. It is a very simple episode. 
Um, it, it is, of course, before they went over to digital animation. This the first season of SpongeBob was all done uh, with original cells. So if you're able to find any collectors out there, if you're able to get your hands on some of those original cells, those, in my mind, are, uh, are, are pretty uh, sought after because it's the only season that did it. Um, now, normally this second part I, I would keep into a second episode, but it really, it, it's it's a weird thing they did, and it hasn't really happened since. And it is um, a, a second episode called The Reef Blower, which... Um, now, in for the most of SpongeBob's run, now, later on there were some episodes that had three segments, but for the majority of the run of SpongeBob, a single episode has two two segments in it, two 15-minute episodes. Um, the first episode of SpongeBob has three, has Help Wanted, Reef Blower, and Tea at the Tree Dome. So I'm also going to play Reef Blower for you now, and I'm actually going to... We're going to watch this together. Um, so if you're playing on Amazon, it kind of goes right into Reef Blower. If you're playing on the DVD, it should as well. Um, and of course, if you're watching SpongeBob by other means, you may just have to select on that if it's played as a different episode. So we have Reef Blower. And this this episode is very... Uh, it stands out for many ways. And one of them is the fact that there is no talking throughout the episode. And I don't know if this is a concept that... Um, that they wanted to keep going with, or it was just something they did for that first episode. Um, uh, you know, there's there's not much information on that as far as I don't know if anyone's just been asked on whether or not this was a concept they wanted to keep going with. But uh, as as you can, uh, as I've already mentioned, they they didn't really keep doing this kind of of little mini episodes uh which is kind of a shame because i think even just as as currently in 2019 i think digitally these little mini episodes without talking could work because it could just be the animators doing something they don't need to really pull in the the voice actors to do it so it could be something interesting but uh yeah so as we see spongebob trying to try to clean his yard up um and just ruining Squidward's day. And it's funny because this whole episode is because of a shell. This like rogue shell that's on SpongeBob's lawn. And he could just pick up the shell. But instead he wants to use the reef blower. Squidward eating a one uh, a one piece of salad. Just like one leaf. Um, and it's, it's funny thinking about it. I just realized that there's a joke in a later episode about SpongeBob not knowing what a salad is. Uh, and here's Squidward eating a leaf right next to him. Um, the reef blower is uh, is definitely brought up again in a future in future episodes, and there's certainly one where Squidward finally gets to to have his enjoyment with the reef blower here. SpongeBob's massive hands, um, and it's just I don't know. I th- <laughs> it's a funny concept because everything is sand underwater. What are you really cleaning up? I guess g- getting sand off of your your sidewalk there, but why not just use a broom? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, SpongeBob also has a garage on the back of his, his pineapple that you don't see v- very often, but, uh, and here he is sucking all of the water out of the ocean, apparently. And that we see Squidward is purple, uh, which is not something that continued. Uh, definitely as the series went on, he became more and more blue and definitely peering out of water. He, uh, kind of stayed that way. SpongeBob seems satisfied, but I think it 
Doesn't look much better than how it already did. And here's Squidward's house covered in sand dunes. And here is the one the one shell falling down on his nose. And that is the end of Reef Blower. Very short, very to the point, kind of a, a fun little... Um, you know, first episode thing. And it it did always stand out when that first season was airing and the second season and I was watching and it was, uh, you know, uh, why, why didn't they do more of those? But, um, I'm glad it's there. Uh, apparently it's the only episode in season one, not to have any bubble transitions. Um, and this is, (laughs) it it marks the first time SpongeBob, uh, did not have a, a speaking role. Uh, and he also, that happens uh, later on in another episode uh, called Whale Watching. Um, apparently this is the only episode also that Tom Kenny just did not play a single voice role. And it's insane. All these like firsts. Well, well because, you know, no one talks. Um, yeah, it's, it, there's, there's not really much, much to say about it. It's, it's an anomaly. Uh, but I enjoy having it. So that right there, I mean, at this point, once once the episodes are done, we're we're just going over information, and um, and it, it to to me it does seem fair not to uh, show these off to to fans, um, you know, fans of of the show and and people who are not fans of SpongeBob because it is the first episode. Maybe you would want to start people with that, but I do have future episodes in mind that I would like to to bring to other people. And, and definitely if I'm going to start out, this was going to be the one I'm going to start out with because it's the simplest to talk about. So um, this episode aired right after the Kids' Choice Awards in, two th- in uh, 2009. Uh, 1999, the 1999 Kids' Choice Awards, when I, was, when I was a kid watching the Kids' Choice Awards, it was a big deal that there would be premieres of shows right after the kids choice awards. Uh, and sometimes there would be shows that it would just be kind of like a special look, uh, like we're just going to air the first episode. So here's what happened at SpongeBob, um, reef blower tea at the tree dome and, um, and help wanted all aired on May 1st, 1999 following the kids choice awards. Um, it, the series made its official debut on July 17th, 1999 with the second episode, Bubble Stand and Ripped Pants. Um, and, if, and then this episode re-aired on July 24th, um, uh, along with Bubble Stand and Ripped Pants. Um, so, it, so it's a little weird. I mean, I consider May 1st always to be a SpongeBob anniversary day. I don't really deny July 17th, but you know, if you ask me when SpongeBob started, it's May 1st. Um, it was only a few months ahead before the second episode, which is completely fine. Um, but either way it aired to huge numbers and of course set off a whole slew of more episodes, which we'll be getting into. But before I overstay my welcome, I am going to end this episode. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed, I hope you enjoyed, um, learning a little bit about help wanted and, and, and uh, reef blower with me. Uh, of course, there is a ton of other background um, people working on the show that as things go on, we'll talk more about Derek Dryman, Tim Hill, uh, the writers, and of course more Steven Hillenburg. But uh, I want that to evolve a little bit more as the show goes on. But this one was, you know, how else do you start off watching these episodes without knowing at least a little bit behind the scenes and of course what's in front of you uh, on your television screen so this is captain eric cormier signing off have a good one Ah!